Mm. How about I do this? How about I start you off by introducing you to faith? Yeah. Something that you may think in your mind that you understand. But faith is one of those things that we all have and we use every single day. We used it today. You got in a car having faith that that car was going to get you from point A to point B, from your house to this library. Didn't matter what kind of car it was. Some of you probably were wondering, will this car get me there? But you still had faith. And then you came in this room and you sat in that seat. You didn't examine it. You didn't look up on the internet who created it. You just had faith in it and you put all your faith in that chair by sitting in that chair. No matter how big you are or how small you are, you're sitting in that chair right now having faith, believing that it's going to hold you up. That's faith, right? We do it every day. Some of us are crazy enough, and I've done this, and it took a long time for me to get to this point. I think I was like 38 years old when I finally did this. Yeah, get on an airplane, right? I'm like Mr. T. If you like the A-team back in the day and he would never get on the airplane, goes to show how old I am thinking about the A-team. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't imagine flying. I just didn't have much faith in that plane. But we get on a plane anyway. We, get, we go 35,000 feet in the air, right, in a tin can, and we go 550 miles per hour from point A to point B. could be Columbus all the way to California. Some of us fly over water, which is crazy, for long periods of time. But you got faith, right? Because we all got faith. I got faith, you got faith, we got physical faith, emotional faith, mental faith in something. Right? And that's good. But what about your faith in God? What's that look like? What's your spiritual faith look like? That's really the question this morning or this afternoon. What is your faith in your lifestyle? And, and I, I just kind of wanted to open this way before we get going because I don't think we think about that. Do you live by faith? Do you have complete, absolute faith in Jesus Christ? Faith is a lifestyle that we live out every single day. And here's the thing. Hebrews 10.38 says, The just shall live by faith, all right? This is a happy thing because this is a good thing. Living by faith as a believer in Jesus Christ is important. And I want to pray with you before we go any further. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, this faith that we're applying right now, I pray, Lord, that you use it for your honor and your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, you use this service that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. I want you to watch this as we dive into the subject of faith. Faith. What is it? Being sure of our hope. Convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. 
By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 11. It gives the record of our forefathers, our spiritual forefathers, and what faith they had. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and begin at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, you realize very quickly that their faith was a testimony to the New Testament church. It was the Old Testament church declaring to the New Testament church, if you can live by faith, it'll revolutionize your life and change your perspective. If you can live by faith, it'll change the way you look at everything. And in Hebrews chapter 11, according to what Paul says in verse 2, he said it was faith that the elders obtained a good report. That good report means a witness. In other words, you and me have a witness from the Old Testament of all these biblical characters that experience big things through big faith for big God. And that same faith they had, we can have today. But let me make sure you understand just like I said at the beginning, we all have faith. We're born with faith. We live by faith each day, it physically, mentally, emotionally. But when it comes to spiritual faith, the question is, are you applying your faith? Are you a Christian that really, truly believes in God? Do we live by faith when it comes to God? Faith is a lifestyle that we live out. Now watch. According to Hebrews chapter 10, the, the previous chapter, before we dive into chapter 11, verse 38 says, The just, which is the righteous, shall live by faith. The, the righteous is speaking of the believers. Now, it doesn't stop there. Listen, Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, For wherein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith? As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word faith is mentioned 245 times in the Bible with good reason. And here's the reason. Because believers in Jesus Christ live by the faith of Jesus Christ. In other words, we believe that Jesus is faithful and true. And every single day we're going to live a lifestyle by faith, trusting in Him. If you don't live that way, if you're not living by faith, and I'm going to say this, this is a bold statement, but according to Hebrews, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. According to Romans chapter 1, verse 17, you, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ because just live by faith. We live a lifestyle outside of the physical mindset of faith, sitting in a chair, flying in a plane. We live by faith every single day, applying our faith to the substance of God. Now, faith. Paul is letting the New Testament church know that you can have faith and it can do amazing things. It can do things in your life, in your family's life, that you never would ever have imagined. 
but you have to have the faith. In order to have faith, there's some things you got to understand about faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of people, right? And we call this the hall of faith. This is where we go if we want to learn about people that trust God, really had faith in God. And here in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, which we just saw, we see a number of people that applied their faith and lived by faith every single day and what it did for them. Now, in this list, there's some people that you would never think would ever make it. There's a harlot on the list. There, there is murderers on the list. There's good, there's bad, there's awesome, and there's awful people. You know what that tells me? It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter how you are right now. If you can step back and trust Christ, He can change your life and do amazing things regardless of who you are through faith. Faith is an amazing thing. So I want to know, how do I get on that list? In 2024, what is it going to take in my life for me to have a lifestyle of faith, to have big faith for a big God? I don't know about you, but I want it. I really, really want it. I used to think I had it. When I was a kid and I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 14 years old in Resaca, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere, you know, that was a profound moment in my life. After that, I surrendered to preach as a young guy. And then I started pursuing this faith in Jesus Christ, living day by day. But at times, I found myself going, do I want this? I'm not talking about the salvation. I'm talking about the trials, the tribulations, the ups and downs, the times that you have to really put your faith to work. Do I really want to keep on going? Is it worth it? And I'll tell you, according to the elders of the Old Testament, I think it's worth it. I know it's worth it. I believe that for us, it is worth it. It's worth it for your family. So the question is, how do we make the list? And what does faith do for us if we do make the list? In Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to tell you. We're just going to look at Hebrews 11 and learn from it, all right? Now, if you're with me, you can take the Word of God on your phone or a physical copy or just look at the screen. But I want you to follow the Scripture as we go through it. Because faith, first of all, according to Hebrews chapter 11, it will move you. It'll get you up. It'll do things in your life that'll cause you to take action that you never thought you would ever take action in. That's what faith does. It will move you. Now, watch. There's an introduction to the subject of faith that Paul gives in Hebrews chapter 11 before he dives into these characters of faith. So if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now the Bible says, now faith is the substance. Say that word with me, substance. Let's try that again. Substance. That's an important word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is based on the substance you can have big faith, but if it is in the wrong thing, then your faith is meaningless. Y'all follow me? Yes, sir. This is important. Paul says, you got to get this before you can learn about faith. This is important. Faith is only as meaningful as the substance it is attached to. It's only as meaningful to the substance it is attached to. If, if you have a little faith in a significant substance like, like Jesus Christ, the results are amazing. For instance, Jesus said to the disciples, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, figuratively speaking, you can move mountains. But the point is, is this, the faith that you have is in me and my Father. That's the substance of your faith. So in order to have faith, you have to have your faith in the right substance. This is important to understand. A lot of faith is, is, is insignificant uh, because the su substance of the faith is in something that's unstable. 
For instance, you say, I have faith. Is the substance of your faith in your finances? Is the substance of your faith in, in your athletic ability and your health? Because all of those things eventually will fail. That is not true faith. Faith has to have a substance that you can hold on to. Now, those things are good things, don't get me wrong, but your faith has to be in something that is lasting and wholesome and, and according to God's word, the God that we serve. What makes faith, faith, faith is the substance to which it is attached to. Let me say it this way. Everybody knows, if you know me, I grew up in Alabama. I just don't sound like it. When I was a kid, we were coming home and there's a big hill before you get to my house. And it was storming. And I remember looking out in the distance and seeing a tornado. Because we get tornadoes all the time. And I was like, Dad, there's a tornado. And Dad's like, we've got to get home. So Dad races down the hill. He doesn't go up the driveway. He goes through the yard because he has a location he wants to get to. Now down south, we have storm shelters. They're like little caves that we go in when the, when the twisters come to protect us, right? So my dad's the faith is in that storm shelter. That's the substance of his faith. Y'all follow me? He believes that's going to supply all the needs for his family and keep them safe. But there's a problem. We get in the storm shelter. We're all standing there and we're soaking wet. You know why we're soaking wet? Because the storm shelter was under construction and it had no top to it. So the substance of my dad's faith was weak. He put his faith and trust in something that wasn't going to supply the need. Y'all follow me? So I'm like, Dad, if the tornado comes, yeah, we might have a chance not being sucked out of this hole. But I don't think it's looking too good. So we finally went in the house, crossed our fingers, and hoped for the best. The reality is a lot of people are living that way every day because the substance of their faith, what it's attached to, is just earthly. They're like, I got this. I got an incredible retirement. Do you? Is that what's going to work for you? You say, I got a great job. Jobs don't last forever. I got an amazing husband. I love that. <laughs> but he ain't going to live forever. I have an amazing wife. Thank God I do too. But the reality is life is short. What is the substance of your faith? Paul said, I can't help you with your faith if you don't get the substance of your faith to be right. Now, here's where he goes with this. He says, he says, he, he continues, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Then he says, it's the evidence of things not seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says it this way. For we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Sight. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, faith is taking the first step even though you don't see the staircase. That's faith. So Paul says, listen, the substance of your faith has to be attached to something worth holding on to, which we know is God. Then you have that faith, now you're living by it. In order to live by it, that means you can't tangibly hold on to God, see God. For us, we didn't have the privilege they have. They had Jesus face to face, the earthly, clothed and wrapped wrapped in flesh, Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, yet without sin. I mean, they got to literally see him face to face. But for us, we don't have the presence in front of us of God. We live by faith every single day. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're trusting in what we can't always see. We experience his love and his mercy in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit that convicts us and guides us and, and gives us peace. But that faith that we have 
is something that we can't always see God and what He's doing and what He's trying to do. Now, faith is not a feeling. It's not based on your five senses. Faith is based on a decision to believe God. The substance of our faith is, 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 is not just believe in God, but acting on what you believe God to do. To not believe God and have faith in God means you believe God is a liar. You say, I have faith. If you don't have full faith in God, then you're doubting God in some area. And by doing so, you're not trusting him to be true. Paul goes even a little further. He says in verse 3 that this God that we believe in and trust with faith, the substance of our faith, he said he created everything. In verse 3, he says the worlds were made by him. Everything we know by faith, we trust that he has done. He's the creator God according to the Genesis account. Because of that, we have something worth believing in. The substance of our faith is God, and he's worth trusting. You can walk by faith and not by sight and know everything's going to be all right, even though you don't have that tangible God with you here on earth like they did with Jesus Christ. Now watch. Not having faith is not just calling him a liar, but faith is not just believing God to tell the truth, but I believe this to be true. It's acting on God that he is the truth. So here's the first thing you need to understand when it comes to faith. Faith will move you. It will cause you to make a move for God that you never really thought you would ever make. It causes you to take action. Faith action moves us. It is a decision to make a big move for a big God in the midst of hard times. Hebrews chapter 11, we see the account of all these different biblical characters. There's so many of them. So I decided just to pick one. Let's just focus on one. Y'all follow me? And that one character is Abraham. And Abraham is a profound character in biblical history because Abraham has done some amazing things for God by faith over and over again. And look at the account with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, the Bible says, Abraham... When he was called to go out into a place which is or should after receive for an inheritance obeyed, he did it. And he went out, not knowing whether he went, but verse 9, by faith so he sojourned into the land of promise as in a strange land, which means a foreign land. So Abraham, a very established man with lots of money, he was a wealthy man, his family, is, and everything he had was very comfortably placed. He had everything he needed, but God says, Abraham, I need you to do something. I need you to step out of your comfort zone, go on a journey, and I'm going to give you a new location for you to establish your family. Now, I can't explain it all right now. I need you just to have faith. But this faith requires you to move. It requires you to take action. When God called me to preach, I knew it wasn't going to be the easiest thing. And I was just a kid, but I didn't understand it in its fullness until I got to Bible college. And I met this girl and I thought, man, this is it. This is it. And it wasn't Brianna at that time. It was a girl named Chastity. I thought, this is perfect. We're going to go in ministry together. This is amazing. But you know what wasn't amazing because it wasn't God's will Come to find out, she said, this is not what God has called me to do. My dad said, you guys make no money. She's like, hey, we don't. It's like, I'm done. That's fine. I'm not. And I'm not going to backtrack. This is what God has called me to do. By faith, 
I have to move. I have to take action. That same year, it didn't get any better. Oh, you know, you know my testimony. I was a freshman. I woke up, had double vision. My eyes were all messed up like this. I couldn't drive. I couldn't read. I had to have people take me from point A to point B. Come to find out I have multiple sclerosis. What is going on, God? Come on now. But I had to take action. I had to make a decision. I had to go to the dean of men and say, I can't even read the Bible. I can't even do my assignments. And he said, we're going to give you a period of time to heal because I was on steroids to heal my eyes and to bulk up. No, that, that part is not true. But So it didn't work. But I said, that's fine. So I had to make a decision to go back to school my second semester to trust God to take action regardless of the circumstances. Are you listening to me? Regardless of the relationship, regardless of my multiple sclerosis, I had to trust my friend, Alan Dennison, from Los Angeles, California, that spoke broken English. Alan was, was my best buddy to take me everywhere. I don't even know if he had a license. We just did it. I had to trust him. And I did what I needed to do. Why? Because faith requires action regardless of the circumstance. We just do it. We don't back down. So Ab Abraham was like, okay, let's go. And that's not easy. <laughs> Man, some of us have faith. Well, at least we think we do, but we're not working at it. Faith requires action, and action requires work. Watch this. James chapter 2, verse 17. Faith without works is what? Dead. We know that to be true. Faith requires work. You got to do some things to make some things happen. Some of us are like, man, I have faith in God, but it's partial faith. It's like Abraham traveling and he tells his kids, this is far enough. This is it. I'm not going any further. The donkeys, the mules, everything is driving me crazy. I'm sick of traveling. Your kids are driving me crazy. Let's settle right here. I am done. But the promise is there. Well, I don't know where there is. God ain't giving us a thumbs up. I'm just going to go here. That's a partial faith. That's not believing that God has a purpose all the way. Some of us say, oh, I believe in missions. Glory to God, I believe in missions. I gave the missions once. But what about committing to missions? Let's go all the way. Well, let's try it. You say, I like church. I'm going to go to church when I can. How about go to church every single time? Let's go. Let's go. That's faith. Let's go all the way, not partial faith. It's like David saying, I believe that God can kill that giant. I know he can. But it wasn't until David was face to face with the giant that the giant was put to death. It wasn't until Daniel was put in the lion's den that God shut the mouth of the lions. It wasn't until Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were placed in the fiery furnace. And that's when God showed up and quenched the fire. It wasn't until Joshua chose to walk around the walls of Jericho. And that's when God showed up and the walls of Jericho came down. So don't tell me you got faith without works. It's dead. You say, I got, I got it. I believe God can do big things. He helped me find my keys the other day. That's big faith in a big God. Glory to God, I know he can do little things, but I'm telling you, when's the last time you allowed him to do something big in your life? Take action. Make a move. Stop settling for your family, for your future, for your life. Big God. God does big things if we're willing to step out by faith. A, a big faith for a big God, is not, it not only moves you, but it'll test you. And this is the part that, man, oh, it's easy to preach, but it's hard to live. Nobody wants to be tested. Abraham finally makes a move according to Hebrews chapter 11. Paul gives this account and says he moves his family by faith. That's action. He made the move. But when he made the move and took the action, God put him to work. He, he tested him. Is everybody still with me? Yes, sir. I don't like tests. I never liked being tested. 
And I'm sure when it comes to God, his tests are substantially different because they're tough tests. And in Hebrews chapter 11, this is the toughest test in history that any man has ever experienced, even Job. Because this man, Abraham, by faith, had to make a decision in verse 17 to take his son, his only begotten son, up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. And this is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 11 and verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, tested, offered up Isaac. And that had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Paul is speaking of an Old Testament account that took place in Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis chapter 22, God gives a test to Abraham, a test that is profound and unique and unusual. And when God gives this test, it was hard and it was difficult. But according to the Bible in Ephesians chapter 3, Abraham obeyed God. For a matter of fact, if you read in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says that God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son. He said, now, he said, take thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So in verse 3, Abraham got up and did exactly that. Remember, faith will move you. Faith is measured by the movement. If, if there is no movement, there is no faith. So God's testing Abraham in a very unique way. Now, this is profound to me. And it, at one point when I was younger, it used to make me mad. Like, what kind of God tells a father to murder his son? Why would he do that? That's weird. I mean, he's a loving God. He's supposed to be a caring God. He's, he's a God of mercy and truth and love and purity. This is the opposite of all those things. But God's tests don't always make sense. Have you ever taken a test, a physical test, and while you're taking the test, you're going, I don't get half of these questions. I am so confused. Now, this one might shock you. When I was a kid, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. I, I struggled. I, I struggled just a little bit. I remember in first grade, I think it was first grade, I was really young. I was just a little dude. And I was taking a test, and I'm like, I have no clue what to put down for any of these blanks, any of these questions. I, I, I have no idea. So I had this idea. The only good idea at that moment to me was to look at the girl's paper next to me because she seemed to be doing well. She's filling it all out. She's on track. She's filling in all the blanks, checking all the boxes. And I'm like, okay. So I look over. Yes, I cheated. I was a little dude in first grade, and I'm cheating. I'm writing down everything she wrote down in every single blank. And I'm like, I got this. This girl is going to help me pass this test. And then she finally leans over as sweet as could be, and she said, you just wrote down my name. And I said, what? She said, you just wrote down my name. I filled in the blank where it says name with her name. I'm not even good at cheating. At that time, I was clueless. I was so desperate to pass the test. I was going to do anything to pass the test. And I feel like sometimes in life when we apply our faith, we get so desperate to understand what God's trying to do. We'll do anything to figure it out. That's contrary to what his will is to do our will because our will, our mindset seems a lot more clear. It's kind of like breaking out the directions at Christmas to an Ikea desk. Y'all follow me? Or anything from Ikea. 
and you look at the box and there's the picture and you're like, okay, this shouldn't be that hard. And you start looking at the directions and you realize very quickly that none of this makes sense. How is this going to turn out to be that? Because right now I'm putting this piece together and this piece together and it doesn't seem like this piece and this piece should go together right now. I think this piece and this piece should go together. Then I'll add that piece. And I tried that. You know what's really bad about some Ikea? They give you glue. So when you try that, now you're breaking it apart to redo that. That's what we do with God. God says, I know it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense right now. It's like the Ikea directions. And I promise you, because I use the word promise, I have something big in store for you, like the cover of the box, the picture on the box of the Ikea desk. Something's going to turn out really well. But stop trying to do the work your way. Just have faith and do it my way. And, and no matter how hard the test is, just follow my lead. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. All thy ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct thy path. He has a plan. And so my question through all this is, I get it, God. Faith, it will move you. I get it, God. Faith is going to test me. But I got to know why. I just, I'm one of those kind of people. I need an answer. You know what I mean? Rules without reason leads to rebellion. You know, I just want an answer. And that shouldn't be so when it comes to God. We need to trust Him and rely on Him and know that in the end, it's going to turn out like the picture on the box. But I do believe that God is intentional about His answers. When things don't make a whole lot of sense, God does have purpose behind what He's doing. For instance, here's two reasons faith is tested. And this is why it makes sense in the long run. And when you look at Abraham's life, it all comes together. One reason why faith is tested is so that the believer, excuse me, so that we will believe in God's promises. So when you look at Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and, and this is the next part that makes a lot of sense after you have a full understanding of the account of Genesis. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. He had received the promise. Now watch this. If you go back to Genesis, you'll learn very quickly that God told Abraham through his seed that he was going to create a mighty nation. He promised Abraham. Through his son Isaac, there will be a mighty nation. If Isaac is dead, there is no mighty nation. So Isaac and Abraham on their way up to the mount, mountaintop to, to have the sacrifice, because in the Old Testament for worship and, and for, for prayer, they would have a sacrifice. And usually, obviously, they wouldn't take a human being. They would take an animal sacrifice. In this situation, Abraham's required to bring his son and it didn't make any sense because this is the test to believe that God will fulfill his promise. So Abraham knew that God promised through Isaac, his son, that a great nation will come about. Here's the reality. Abraham still, even though it didn't make a whole lot of sense to him, had to follow what God had asked him to do. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, he obeyed. How hard is it to obey God in the midst of a test? Very hard. Even though you already know the answer, the Bible says that, and we know this to be true, that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us in the midst of the hardest things we go through. But how many times have you been like, where are you? Where are you, God? You said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That was a promise you gave me. Where are you? And at that moment, you start backing up on your faith and not trusting. 
And we start wondering, God, are you really true to what you said? And it's so easy to get there. And for Abraham, I'm sure as he traveled all that ways, and the Bible says it took him three days to get to the top of the mountain. It could have been that there was a few times that he paused and said, let's just stay the night because I want one more night with my son and I really need to think this through. Is God really going to fulfill his promise? I mean, is he going to do this? The children of Israel, why they gathered in the homes in the book of Exodus, they were wringing their fingers at times, their hands, excuse me, wringing their hands, even though the blood was on the doorpost, wondering if the death angel would pass by. You know why? Because even though they had faith in the promise of God, they had to still trust during the test. And that is not easy. And when we go through hard times and we're tested, it's because God is wanting us to believe his promises. Not only that, so that we'll trust God's provision. God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's easy to say, but it's hard to believe. At times, that's very difficult. For Abraham, I'm sure it was difficult to believe that God would provide. Because all he's thinking is, we're going to the top of this mountain, trusting God not to put my son to death, But in order for that to happen, there's got to be a lamb. There's got to be some sacrifice. And as they make their way up to the top of the mountain, they have a conversation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 and 7, And Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, Hey, father? And he said, Here am I, son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. In other words, God's got this. It's not our problem. You say, I'm having faith that God is going to do something big in my family, but I just don't see things happening. He's not providing. God's got this. You do the best and you forget the rest. The rest is His. You've already done your best. That's all you can do. And when you do that, God will intervene and do something so profound, so unique. He's going to change your life. Faith moves us. It tests us. And eventually it will change us. Faith changes how we think and how we believe, how we understand God. Ultimately, it's us believing that God is in control of all things. And I love at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, how Paul kind of closes it all out. You saw just a minute ago in that video, she said, there's so much to be said, I can't say it all. There's so many biblical characters that, that are recorded In the Old Testament, they had profound faith. We can't even list them all. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 11, that was true. And he said, and what their faith did is mind-blowing. I can't even list it all. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. And what shall I say, excuse me, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, and Jephi, and, and, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Huh. I mean, I don't even have time to tell you of all their faith. And then it goes a little further. And I don't even have time to tell you how it changed their life, and how it's changing our lives by looking at their lives. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained obtained promise, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, in, in fight, turned the fight of the armies of the aliens. He, through God's strength and believing in the substance of their faith, being God, were able to do all these things. So now, it's up to you. 
You have been empowered with this beautiful thing called faith. The question is, what are you going to do with it in 2024? It should move you. Faith should, should be able to test you without shaking you to the point you quit and give up. But also, faith is meant to change you.